Gentlemen, guys, and girls, how's it going? Uh, my name is Cohen Hughes. Welcome to episode 116 of the Daily Degenerate Podcast. Can't believe we've done 116 episodes, but the show must go on, as they say in Hollywood. I'm not in Hollywood. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, a little town called Smyrna, where the Braves play. Um, eventful week in sports. I'm going to do the same thing I did last week and go solo, not because of any personnel changes or any you know drastic measures, but just because we're testing out new formats. And I think today I'm going to make it an abbreviated episode of the podcast to see how the short format works, see if you guys like more content or less content. Open to any and all suggestions, feedback, comments, anything you got to say, let me hear it. I'm a big boy. I can take it. Um... Got a good week of NFL football. Got a few uh, notable college games to talk about. Not going to really touch on NBA as much because um, you guys can sit here and listen to me talk about how my Utah Jazz are 6-0 at home and second seed in the West and all that. But you don't really care, do you? I'm the only one that cares about shit like that. Um, big headlines that came out this week. Um, I can't really get too much into it because we don't have all the facts yet, but... The Houston Astros in 2017 and 2018 have been accused of quote-unquote cheating by uh, several other ball clubs. I know the Red Sox brought it up. I know um, a bunch of other American League teams brought it up. Um, Apparently they were using cameras in center field and tipping pitches on stolen signs and they would, you know, bang two times in the dugout if it was going to be a breaking ball, one time for a foul, you know, stuff like that. I'm not, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have all the facts, so I can't really make a uh, tremendous judgment on this as of yet. Um, part of me wants to say, yeah, you know, who cares, you know, like, hit the pitches, you know, like baseball is a real cut and dry game. It's execution or it's not execution. You don't really get lucky a whole lot in baseball. But um, can't really make a judgment yet. Um I'm not a fan of the Houston Astros, but I don't think they're an unlikable team by any stretch of the imagination because of all the guys that they've fostered and garnered through the league. But that's a conversation for a few weeks whenever we get all the facts out and probably more more notably a conversation for the offseason of football because we'll need stuff to talk about then. Uh, before we get any further, um, I know I, I, I teased and I promised you guys that I would talk about my thoughts on the load management system that we have going in today's NBA, and um, it's a bit of an unpopular opinion. Um, maybe it's because I'm spoiled and I get to see you know lots of NBA games because I live so close to the city of Atlanta and where the Hawks play, and I have a ticket subscription through a third-party app where I can get close to as close as you can get as unlimited Hawks tickets. Um, as well as Braves and Falcons. Um, I don't... 
I guess I guess you would say that I see all the outrage. I, I, I can understand why John Doe is angry that the NBA is allowing this to happen because he takes his son to go see the Hawks play the Bucks, and then oh, next thing you know, Giannis has played his third night in four games, and he's kind of ready to take a night off. And I, I, I get it. His son's not going to get to see Giannis play. I, I understand. You don't want to pay money to see backups play, so to speak. But um, I think the NBA is so rich and deep in talent that I don't think it really matters about one star playing or not playing. Look at the Clippers. They've had you know, Kawhi and Paul George both out for periods of time, and they're still, I mean, four or five in the West. So I'll put it to you this way. I don't really care that much about load management. I would rather – because I used to be a Clippers fan way back in the day with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Matt Barnes, DeAndre Jordan, J.J. Redick, that – Old-style Clippers, I mean, it's old to me because I'm only 23, but back in the day when I was, a, I was a Clippers fan, if you could tell me that every fifth or sixth day game, Blake Griffin would, would, would sit one out so we could be fresher for the playoffs. Because the Clippers, we used to be a lock-in for the playoffs just about every year. Um, I wouldn't necessarily mind. I would like to have Blake Griffin, quote-unquote, fresh for the playoffs. Um, I don't see all the outrage behind the load management. Because, I mean, the, the NBA season is pretty long. In 82 games, it's, it, it, it's, it's a long season. And one thing that I hate in sports more than anything else is um, not just freak injuries, but injuries that could be prevented. Load-bearing injuries, uh, injuries like, you know, Legs, ankles, quads—things that you can kind of prevent workload and kind of prevent nip in the bud before they happen. I'm not mad that that Kawhi is, you know, sitting out a few games, and I'm not. I'm I, I still root for the Clippers. I guess. I mean, on a, on a secondary note, because you know I love my Jazz, but I don't know if it's Doc Rivers calling the strings. I don't know if it's Kawhi saying, "Hey, I need a night off." I, I doubt it's Kawhi saying, "Hey, I need I need a night off." But you know, we don't see into the locker rooms. We don't see into the the head coach's office, um, but when I boil it down, I am not necessarily mad at NBA letting stars have a night off here and there. Um, the NFL does it for practices all the time. It's called a veteran's day off. Like Coaches just know when to give them out, and um, it's just like Julio Jones. like He didn't play in a single preseason game this year, but he, I mean, he's still putting up Julio numbers, and he's still doing his thing. Like he, He's been here before, so he knows what to do. With a guy like Kawhi, I don't think it matters – whether or not he plays the Suns, whether or not he plays the Pacers, whether or not he plays X team, because the Clippers are mostly a lock and a sure end for the playoffs, especially getting Paul George back tonight. Um, I don't think it's a it's 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 a big deal. I I would rather have because me as a fan, I've been blessed in the NBA to cheer for some pretty good teams, some teams that I like to cheer for. I'm, I'm, I'm no bandwagon because the Clippers never won a title. The Clippers were, and I and I jumped on that bandwagon whenever, you know, Blake Griffin got drafted. So I wouldn't say that I'm a success-driven bandwagon, so to speak. I just like cheering for specific groups of players, and when you can put them all on a team, I'll cheer for that team. And that's, and that's why I, I picked up on the Jazz about five, six years ago because I really enjoyed Gordon Hayward. I really enjoyed, you know, the collection of guys we have, and drafting Donovan Mitchell has just been a blessing in disguise that we didn't think, what, what, what happened, so we got really lucky on that. But like I said, 
I've been extremely lucky and blessed to cheer for teams that have periods of playoff runs where they're a shoe in for the playoff most years. Um, I would like to see my guys well rested for the playoffs. I would like to see my guys take a night off here and there and not overload the legs. That way they have to miss 30 games in the middle of the season with some sort of ankle or quad injury. You know, like I, I, I kind of, I'm not going to say I support it because, you know, of course it's in your contract to play 82 games. So I think you should play 82. You know, that's, that's not the point I'm trying to make here. I'm trying to say that if I could choose between having a fresh Kawhi Leonard for the playoffs or a tired Kawhi Leonard for the playoffs, like, you know, which formula I'm picking. And in an ideal world, yes. You say, oh, well, just sit in the last five games, but then you take him out of rhythm. Everything is ideal in this world. Everything is, you know, absolutely on paper whenever we sit here trying to dissect it. But to me, I don't mind Kawhi Leonard having a few games off. I don't mind Russell Westbrook and Harden having a night off or two. Harden, that's not in his blood. Harden, Harden won't do it. And maybe that's the pit of his demise because he's too stubborn and doesn't, know how to navigate load management. I mean, that's, I mean, and, and, and it's a, it's an obvious part of the NBA, NFL, and MLB, but the NBA is just more, I think, forthcoming about it this year and calling it load management on paper. And that makes us fans mad. Yeah, it, it, it sucks. And when you, when you look at it from John Doe's perspective and he wants to take his son to go watch LeBron play the Hawks, he's going to be a bit mad if him and his son are wearing their LeBron jerseys and, you know, they, night out on town and go get dinner and drinks, and then next thing you know, LeBron's not playing. I do like what the NBA did, and they made lineups be required to be entered in like an hour ahead of time or 30, 45 minutes, whatever. There's an indiscriminate amount of time that the NBA has to submit a a game lineup before their game actually starts, which is good for last-minute ticket guys like me who, well, you know, um, let's go to the Hawks game tonight. Yeah, it's... It, it sucks from his perspective. It sucks that his son doesn't get to see the star play in Atlanta. But for hardcore fans like me and like Thomas Penland, Jeremy Kuhn, Harrison Coburn, guys that can understand the big picture of things, we understand that, and, I, and I'm not speaking for them, I'm just assuming here, um, that we would rather our guys take a night off here and there instead of going into the playoffs a burnt out or be hurt. You saw it with um, Freddie Freeman this year in, in the Braves playoff run. He was had a nagging injury, still wanted to play 160 games, and then it, Bone Spurs killed us when it came time for playoffs. Guys like Nick Markakis. Nick Markakis, I think, is the perfect example. He will play 162 games. He will start 162 games if you let him, plus all the preseason games. Where that kills Nick Markakis is that he's lost a bit of his power, his endurance, and his mojo come playoff time because he's played 160 straight games. So, in my opinion, I just wanted to go on on, on a little thing and because I haven't really seen like like many people speak out for the load management yet. So I I just, just kind of wanted to say I'm not mad. I'm not outraged like everybody else is. I don't think they're pussies. I don't think they're you know divas for wanting to have a night off here and there. It's just like calling in sick to work, and I get it. These guys don't work nine to fives. They don't work every day. They don't, you know, and they practice. Well, they do work every day because they practice on every single off day they have. Like, you know, Kawhi Leonard's not just posting up on his couch playing the new Call of Duty that just came out. Like, it's 
you have to think of things from uh, like a long season standpoint. Yeah, if you're battling for the seventh seed, you can't be taking nights off. But teams like the Clippers, teams like the Jazz, teams like the Lakers, teams like the hell, even the Houston Rockets, which they they won't do it. Teams like the Bucks, teams like the Celtics, they can let a star take a night off every now and again. It's not going to hurt their record because they have a chance to win the game even without them. So that's just kind of what, what what I wanted to say about that. I know I didn't have enough time to get to it last week, and I saw a notification on my phone that Kawhi probably wouldn't play tonight because of injury load management. So I just kind of wanted to get that out there. I haven't seen many people speak up for the nights off, so I just kind of figured I'd, I'd put my, my, my 10 cents out there because I know I have a few more than, than two cents about the matter. But just thought I would I would kind of you know throw everything out there. Um. I guess next we'll talk about um, some NFL picks. I'm, I'm going to try to keep it at 30 minutes today for you guys because I know that last week I, I got, kind of got long-winded even though being by myself. So I will, um, I'm going to do my best to keep it right at 30 minutes, like a commute podcast. You can listen to the car, and by the time you get to work, it's, it's over. Um, we'll get to some NFL picks. Um, we have a few good NFL games on this weekend. It's kind of a you know lull in the, in, in the middle of the season. Um, especially for my Falcons, who got a great win last week in New Orleans, and I'm glad they did because I fuck the Saints. I absolutely hate those bastards. But does nothing but hurt our draft pick, which I think tanking for a draft pick is a loser mentality, and it breeds a loser mentality. And I think that it is detrimental to a free agency, to signing players, to the culture in the locker room, to the rookies coming in. They expect to lose. That's a, that's a loser mentality. I would never hope that. Like I would hope the Falcons would. I would rather the Falcons win out and miss the playoffs by a game, and then lose on purpose to try to get a better draft pick. I think that's a loser mentality. I hate it. I, I think it's absolutely disgusting that, that that you would think that you just wouldn't want to win a game. That's, that's awful to me. Um, but even though coming off our really great win in New Orleans at the Dome, um, we got a bunch more NFC South games to play. That was only our first. So for us, it's kind of hard as Falcons fans to kind of look forward to the rest of the season because we're 2-7, and seven, which is you know not great, but... Hell, you could be the Dolphins or the, or the Redskins, really, or the Bengals or any of the other really bad teams because the, the Falcons are bad. Let, let, I mean, let's not get to it. So we're, we're no great team by any stretch of the imagination. We're not good at all, but we're not cellar dwellers like the teams that are actually losing on purpose. That's the most frustrating part is they're trying to lose. We're not, and we're still losing. But um, game in Carolina this week, I'll go ahead and do that one first because I'm a Falcons fan. And I like to get my shit out of the way first. We're in Carolina for another division division game in the NFC South. Um, Falcons are plus five and a half right now. Carolina's minus five and a half. Kyle Allen will play. Cam Newton uh, will not. I don't think he'll play for the rest of the year. Um, I think he can't. Is eligible to come back week fourteen, but I don't think they would do that just you know to save his legs for the next season because I think he will be a Carolina Panther next year. I think he will be the starting quarterback next year. All this Kyle Allen talk is making me sick. Kyle Allen is really not all that good. Um, no runners at 50 and a half. I don't think that's going to hit because I think there are shortcomings on both sides of the offense with Devontae Freeman not playing. And I don't think Carolina is going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain on the offensive train. Um, so off the rip, I'm going to go under 50 and a half. And the Falcons still could lose this game, but I, I don't think there's going to be six points in between either team. I think Falcons plus five and a half is, is the safest play. Not of the day, but in, in this game, I, 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 I'm almost sure that one's going to hit. Falcons aren't going to come out here and get blown out. Yeah, they're going to Carolina to play, and yeah, there's always shitty weather in Carolina, but I don't think the Falcons, I think, I think the Falcons, that win last week was very energizing and galvanizing. I think that um, as much as I dislike Dan Quinn, I think the players are playing for Dan Quinn, 
which is kind of funny. They waited this long to kind of speak out in favor of him. So I'm not quite sure what's going on in the locker room as much as I, you know, would, would, would like to know. But I think that um, the Falcons plus five and a half is a really safe play. I love it to death. Uh, tonight we have Pit- Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Cavaliers or Cleveland Cavaliers, Cleveland Browns. Um, Thursday night football. Um, we're going to get Booger McFarland telling us about how he shit his pants on the sideline again. Um, this is kind of a tough spot because Pittsburgh has been kind of hot lately since kind of finding their footing with Mason Rudolph. Um, but to me, I think that this is kind of where the line ends for them. I think that it, it was all hunky-dory playing on borrowed time, but now that they're back in the playoff hunt, I think that there's no other trajectory for them to go but down. And I know that sounds kind of odd, but um, I have Pittsburgh – Plus two and a half, Cleveland minus two and a half. I think my pick is going to be Cleveland minus two and a half. Uh, let me see if I can if I can get some public money on this. Let's see what we got going. Because you, because there there's a lot of uh, fade the public type type mentalities that go on in um, in betting. So we'll see if we can't find some uh, some numbers. I know. Hell, if this was the game that I was looking at yesterday, I think it's pretty 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 handedly in favor of. Pittsburgh, yeah, and and this is what confuses me, because you know at some point the Browns are going to get it together, not playoff together, because they're still the Cleveland Browns and Freddie Kitchens is still the head coach, but they're gonna they're they're gonna find a way to get it together to win these kind of in between games that they should win. Um, it's really shocking, man. This is on my bookie, eighty five and a half percent of all the public money. Is 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 on Pittsburgh as as the underdog at plus one fifteen. Fifteen percent of the money is on Cleveland Browns minus one forty five, and it's not even that bad of a spot. I mean, anything around one thirty one forty for a money line in a game that they should win, I'll, I'll take. Um, the over at forty one and a half seems to be the play. It was at forty, jumped all the way to forty one and a half. Um, I, I found two and a half early in the week, and it was there this morning. I guess getting closer to kickoff, they'll bump up a, a few points. Um, if you can get Cleveland minus two and a half, I, I think that's the play. I think that protects you against all the field goals. I think that protects you against the big number. I don't think Pittsburgh is going to win this game at all. If you're if you're not feeling safe, you, what you can do is fade the public, and you can go fifteen percent of all the money is on the Cleveland money line at minus one forty five, which isn't a great spot, but it's not bad either. Um, Cleveland, I think, is going to win this game tonight, even though. Cleveland hasn't really wowed us yet. I think that um, because the game's in Cleveland, they get that three-point swing. Um, man, I'm 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 going with Cleveland minus two and a half tonight. I I can't see it any other way, my man. To be honest with you, like it's just yeah. I just can't talk myself into taking Pittsburgh. I can't trust Pittsburgh with Mason Rudolph. He's looked decent. He's and the, and the defense has been, I think, the second best in the NFL since Roethlisberger went out in week two or three. So I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that my play, and I will be putting money on this game because it's Thursday night. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and do do Cleveland minus two and a half. I think that's a, that's a really safe play. Dallas and Detroit um, spreads two and a half on that one. I'm going to take Dallas minus two and a half. They, the ship's been rocky for them lately. Uh, they're below 500, 
And I just I just think that their team is too talented not to get it together. Dak Prescott has looked good this year. He's just looked flat out good. Not great, but he's looked good. Um, I'm going to take Dallas minus two and a half. We got Jacksonville at Indianapolis. I got Indy minus three in this one. I, I think Jacksonville with Nick Foles is low energy, and I think they should have just stick, stuck with Gardner Minshew. I'm going to take Indy minus three because they've had a rough thing, rough going lately. So I think they're, they're going to get back on track. One of my more confident plays of the day is going to be Buffalo minus five and a half over Miami. Miami is in supreme hangover mode um, about, you, you know, getting their two wins and, you know, kind of making sure everybody knows they're not the worst team in the NFL. Um, I think Buffalo minus five and a half. Anything Buffalo over, minus over like seven or six and a half, I, I'm kind of worried about because they don't ever write the score up on anybody. But five and a half, I can see Buffalo winning by six points or a touchdown. I think that's a really safe play. Uh, over at 40, it's going to be really low. Honestly, maybe take the under. I, I don't. I, it could be a 17 to 10 win. You know, it's just one of those. That's those two types of teams. Denver and Minnesota, um, 10 and a half. I don't like love that spot for Minnesota. I'm not quite sure what it is now. This is just the opening spread that I took. Um, if you, I'm a, I'm a pussy. I'll buy back the, the full point to get to nine and a half. Make it inside of a two score game. Um, Minnesota minus nine and a half. They're clicking. They're really good. I love Minnesota's team. Um, I'll probably be cheering for them if the Falcons don't make the playoffs, which let's be real, they won't. Um, so I'm going to go Minnesota minus five, nine and a half. That's a pretty confident play for me too. Uh, one of my locks of the week, actually. I have three locks of the week. I'll, I'll say them as they go. Um, New Orleans minus five and a half over Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has looked uh, kind of decent this year, even though the record doesn't show it. Um, Bruce Arians has really provided a spark to that team. But speaking of being in hangover mode, I think that the Saints, I, I feel sorry for the Bucks because the Saints are going to come out and put it on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because of that embarrassing loss in New Orleans last week to my Falcons. Um, I think New Orleans not only covers, I think they murder Tampa Bay. I, I think that Drew Brees and Sean Payton are out for blood this week because they took the Falcons lightly. Let's not, I mean, let's not mince any words. They took the Falcons lightly and, they got beat by 17. The Falcons were, I think, plus 13 and a half, and they ended up winning the game by 17. So that, you know, 34-point spin or whatever, I'm not that great at math on the top of my head, but that, that swing is not great. Uh, I think New Orleans minus five and a half is an absolute lock. The next game is going to be probably the most competitive game of the day between two, two not good teams, New York Jets and the Washington Redskins. Because Washington's at home, they are minus one. I'm sure it's kind of – Dibbled down to a pick 'em by now. Um, I'm not going to mess with the plus one minus one thing. I, I hate that because all you can do is push. Even if you like, if one team doesn't win, um, I'm just going to go Jets money line. They're the underdog, but um, I think that this is a game that can easily be won for them. I think Bill Callahan is not the head coach of the Washington Redskins next year, so I think they're just kind of waiting for the season to be over. I love the Jets here on on the money line. Houston and Baltimore, which is probably going to be one of the better games of the weekend. Um, Sean Watson versus Lamar Jackson should be the electric quarterback matchup. They played one time, I think Clemson and Louisville, which hell, they may have played more than once. I'm not quite sure. I think it was only once, though. Um, Baltimore's minus four, which is a little bit lower than what we've seen for a few of the spreads that we've seen for the Ravens this year. Um, they, Houston, man, I... I I like Houston a lot. It just seems that they just can't find a way just to piece together like wins in a row and stuff like that. Um, 
I'm going to take Houston plus four in this game just to, you know, maybe get the field goal. But Baltimore money line is, is going to hit. Like, like Baltimore is going to win this game. Um, I think it'll be a high-scoring affair. I think the 49-and-a-half may, may go over because um, Houston's problems on defense and because of Baltimore's extravagancy to, throw, to to score some points. I think Houston will put up points as well. So I, both teams will hold up their, their part of the bargain. The 49-and-a-half, I'm, I'm positive it's, it's going to hit. So Houston plus four in that game, and I'm not super confident about the Houston plus four. That one is maybe just one you may want to stay on Baltimore money line. Um, another one of my locks of the week is um, Arizona at San Francisco. I got San Francisco minus 11 and a half. Um, same story with the same story with the New Orleans Saints and the Falcons, except it was a loss at home, but it wasn't embarrassing. It was just a Russell Wilson loss. Like you gave him one avenue to stay in the game and. You just you couldn't close it out. I think San Francisco is going to be playing very, very, very hungry because they, they lost their first game of the season, and they don't take that kind of stuff lightly. Uh, even though Kittle won't be playing, um, that didn't really matter much. I mean, you can tell Jimmy Garoppolo looked a little bit more flusher than usual, but for the second game in a row, Kittle will not be there. Um, I still think San Francisco wins by 12 points. San Francisco minus 11.5 is, is, is a lock for me this week. And I know I, I'm usually against taking big spreads, to teams that really aren't all that bad. But this is schedule poker right here. Like I think San Francisco is going to put it on the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals have had a decent run of it as of late, so I, I, I can see them kind of regress to the mean here in a little bit. Um, next game is Cincinnati and Oakland. It's uh, 10.5. Um, Oakland has been, has been white hot lately. They've been really good, even though I didn't think that it would be all that good. I hate Derek Carr to death, but he's looked really good. Um for that reason, I'm going to take the Cincinnati plus 10.5. I think that's a good spot to cover against just outside the two-score game. 10.5 is one of my favorite spreads to pick because it's a field goal and a touchdown, which is an average score to win by in the NFL. It happens more often than people think. Um, Cincinnati plus 10.5. They will lose this game, but they will cover the 10.5. We've got three more games to go, New England and Philadelphia. Um, New England coming off their, their loss to um, the Baltimore Ravens and the bye week, so Bill Belichick has enough time to um, tailor the game plan, so to speak, to his liking and his specifications. He has an extra week to do it. So I think New England minus three and a half is a really, really, really good play. Philadelphia is a good team, scrappy this year because of all the injuries and all the players leaving and stuff like that. But I think New England minus three and a half is um, is a really good pick. If you're if you're scared by the point, by the half point, whatever you want to do, but um, I think they're gonna. I don't think you'll need it, really. I think New England's going to win this game by a full touchdown or 10 points. Chicago at the L.A. Rams. Um, poor Chicago, man. I just don't know what the deal is with them. Um, spread 6.5. I like L.A. Rams, minus 6.5, because it protects against the whole touchdown. And um, I think Chicago, their trajectory is just pointing down as a whole. I'm not quite sure that they are going to win the NFC North like I said they would. I think I, I, it's, it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings but um, there was talk about maybe the NFC North having three teams in the playoffs with Vikings, Packers, and Bears. But I'm not quite sure the Bears are cut out for it yet. So LA's got to win a few more games to get that wild card shirt up. So I'm going to go ahead and give LA Rams minus six and a half the pick. My last lock of the week is in Mexico City in Estadio Azteca, where the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the LA Chargers, San Diego Chargers, formerly known as. Um, a little bit low. 
I, th- I think the Chargers are kind of a dumpster fire the last three weeks um, outside of that weird win in, in Green Bay. That was just odd. Um, spreads four. I'm going to take Kansas City minus four because I think that they are just as hungry after losing to Tennessee in a really weird game. Um, run defense hasn't been good for them, but the LA Chargers are kind of not they – they don't have their identity yet. And um, for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and pick Kansas City minus four. I know um, Kuhn and Brad agree with me on Kansas City minus four, so um, we're going to have to see what happens in, in, in that game. That's going to be a good Monday night you know, battle in Estadio Azteca where they couldn't play last year because the turf was too bad. But like I said, my locks for this week are Kansas City minus four, New Orleans minus five and a half, and uh, San Francisco minus 11 and a half. You could also maybe throw New England in there because Bill Belichick off a of bye week is just deadly. I'm, I, I I would doubt that he even has double-digit losses coming off a of bye week in his illustrious coaching career. So those are my locks. Um, my record on the season, I went 6-6-1 six, six, and one last week. Um, my record on the year is 77-69-2, which is in first place. The only guy who's close to me is um, Penland at 70-78-1. So doing good on the uh, pick'em so far, um, trying to get some wins in a row, trying to get – a really good week because I haven't had like a really great week yet. So I'm trying I'm trying to get a, like a really good week um, to go ahead and cement me into the first place spot for the Daily Degenerate Podcast Pick'em Contest, which is not really a contest. We're just doing it with us five guys, but you know, it's a contest if you're competing. Um, the CFP rankings came out on like, Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday night. I always forget which day it comes out, but. Um, in no surprising fashion, I think that they got it. They got everything right. I think LSU is number one and should have been number one before Ohio State. Number two is Ohio State. Number three is Clemson. Number four is Georgia. Five is Alabama, and six is Oregon. I think we got treated to a really good game last week. Uh, I think the game would have been really, really, really different in terms of flow and score. I think Bama would have won had Tua not fumbled in the on, on the goal line, the first possession of the game. But he did. Um, Bama ended up coming back and making it a five point game at the very end which is, you know, kind of what you wanted. Um, that's kind of what you needed if you want, if Bama fans wanted any shot to make the playoffs because Clemson's not going to lose, and you have to put Clemson in if, if they don't lose. That, I mean, they play in the ACC, which isn't the worst conference in the world, and they're undefeated. So I think you have to give them a spot. They're your national champion, so you have to give them a spot. Georgia... Even though I, I don't particularly like Georgia, I kind of hate Georgia, to be honest with you. Um, their resume is impressive outside of that just shocking win at home to North Carolina or to South Carolina um, and Ohio State. I don't think any of those teams are going to lose another game unless Georgia makes it to the SEC championship and loses. Um, at, at That's the only, I think, chance that Bama would get in is if they lose in the SEC championship. I think that LSU has to win out to make that loss to them look even better, in which I think it looks great because it's a the LSU has been the number one team in the country, and I said it last week. They've been the number one team in the country for weeks now, so we just kind of wanted to make sure that they are the real deal by playing Bama, and, and, and they are. Their offense looked better than Bama's. Their defense didn't look all that great, but that one turnover at the first part of the game is, is really what told the whole story of the game. Um, I think Oregon is zero threat to the college football playoff. I think the, the first five teams are the first five teams that we're going to have to discuss. Five teams competing for one spot or four spots 
in an, in an ideal world, um, Ohio State would lose would lose a game or two. That way, Bama could s- slip in and take their spot. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so, Bama fans, you better hope that LSU loses out and beats Georgia in the championship because that's the only shot that you have to make the Final Four. Um, Georgia, if the, if you can continue winning and somehow pull off an upset against LSU in the SEC championship, I would think LSU would would, would go back down to two or three or four. I don't think that that would put them out of the conversation at all for the playoffs. So LSU, I, th- I think, is safely in at this point, given a weird loss to Ole Miss or somebody like that, Michigan State, somebody like that, which I don't think was, is going to happen. I think LSU is going to win out even the SEC championship game. But it's too far ahead to be to be making predictions. Uh, we still got more games to play, more more conference games to play. So we'll keep an eye on that as it goes. Uh, before before I go, I'm going to give you three of my picks for the college football weekend. Um, three of my favorite games I think that I see on the on the slate. Um, first is Navy at Notre Dame. I think it's the 16 and the 24, 25 slot, depending on which rankings you're looking at. Um, Navy is a really good team. They're not great. They are really good. They beat Tulane. They, they, they're a team that likes to rack up the score because of that uh, prolific running offense that they have. Um, the spread is 6.5. And, and, or no, the spread is 7, actually. And I bought back the half point to go to 6.5 minus for Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame can win this game by a touchdown, but um, don't rule out any Navy shenanigans. And the over-unders at 55, which may seem like a trap, but not for these two teams. Um, I really want to go under, though, because I think that Vegas is hoping that people balk at that 55. It's like, oh, well, Navy puts up 40 points a game, and Notre Dame puts up 35, so it's going to be an easy over. I don't think that's going to be the case this weekend. I think that Notre Dame, uh, whenever they have to play a quality opponent, like Navy's a quality opponent. They're not really good, but they're they're a quality opponent. So I think that whenever Navy or Notre Dame has to play a quality opponent, they have to kind of tighten up on offense a little bit and run the ball a little bit more. Um, Ian Book doesn't have as many chances to make that many mistakes, and the score can't can't skyrocket on the on the good end. So I think that under 55 and Notre Dame minus six and a half is the play in that game. Next we have UGA versus Auburn, which should be a really good game. I quote me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the South's oldest rivalry between UGA and Auburn. I think they were the first two teams to have to have the college football around here. It's something like that. They have some sort of name. Good old-fashioned hate. They have some sort of name for it. Um, I like UGA minus 2.5. I think Auburn is really, really, really good. I think they've played one of the toughest schedules. Um, even even their their non-conference opponents were pretty good, like, like Tulane, who, I mean, held them to 24 points with a really good defense. Um, I think they have the best D-line in the country, but I think Georgia could sneak this one out by a field goal. I think Georgia's really good. I think Georgia's really hot lately. I think that loss to South Carolina did more than wake them up. I think the loss to South Carolina really put things into perspective for them, saying, hey, we can't just overlook people. So I think that with the beating last week in Missouri, I think that they are in prime, prime, prime position to steal one in Jordan-Hare, so to speak. Um, it's it's an Auburn Alabama, which is I guess kind of why the score the spread is so close. Auburn could definitely win this game. I'm not disqualifying Auburn from winning this game at all. Auburn could definitely win this game, but I think Georgia has looked a little bit better at their peak than Auburn has. Auburn has a uh, loss to LSU and a loss to Florida. Both of them were really close games, which is which bodes well for their ranking in terms of the AP. But um, I think that that Georgia 
is going to win this game. The minus two and a half protects you against the field goal. I think it's a good spot to be in. That's going to be a great game to watch. The last game I'm going to talk about today is Oklahoma versus Baylor. Um, I think Baylor is an absolute fraud. I think that the fact that they're even ranked is kind of laughable. I know they're undefeated, but put them at 25. Don't put them at 18 or whatever the hell you have, at 14, whatever it is. And um, the spread is 11, and I think Oklahoma's going to cover it. I think Oklahoma is kind of avenging losses at this point. So I think they're going to play schedule ruiner and ruin any chance that Baylor even tried to have for you know a, a, a berth in, in, in the playoffs. Because Baylor's 9-0. So let's say that they went out, they would challenge Alabama for that five spot or they challenge Georgia for the four spot, really, if, if they want out, depending on what the committee would wanted to look at. So, um, but that would be the case if they want out. They're, they're not going to because they're going to lose this week to Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's going to cover the 11. I think Oklahoma would cover the 14 if it was 14. I think Baylor is an absolute fraud, have not played anybody. So, um, my play is Oklahoma minus 11, and I think the score is going to get so out of hand that second stringers are going to start coming in. So I'm going to, I'm going to go under on the humongous spread of 67.5. Under 67.5 and, and Oklahoma minus 11 is my play for that last game. Um, it should be a decent week, a little bit better of a week than last week. There was only two good games on last week. Um, but Auburn or LSU-Alabama was a classic, so we'll have to see how all this plays out for the playoff implications. Um, I think that's about it for me. I, I try to keep it at 30 minutes, but I'm at 36. So I guess I'll go ahead and um, get the hell out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Daily Degenerate Podcast. You can find me at Cohen underscore Hughes on Instagram. Search me on Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I'm too dangerous for Twitter. I'll get myself in trouble again. And um, you can join the Facebook group that we have, Daily Degenerate sports shit talk trash talk whatever the heck it is named hit me up and i'll send you an invite even though if we're not friends on facebook i can still add you to the to the group you know but um you can ask to join we'll let you in we just ask you two questions just to make sure that you're not a bot whenever you click in there so this has been episode 116 i sincerely hope you enjoyed and um any and all feedback is welcomed thanks for listening